This week, we have brought Charlie on to talk about sponsorship. Mike is actually out of town, so he's taking a backseat, and we are filling it in with Charlie. So, what's up, Charlie? What's up, guys and girls? <laughs> so, uh, listen in on some awesome sponsorship conversations. It's going to be good. The way I like to talk about this is uh, I, have a, I have a technique when people say, Hey, Charlie, you want to be my sponsor? I say, yeah, I got a couple of disclaimers for you. Uh, the first disclaimer is this. Um, I'm not ever going to ask you to, uh, to do step work. Uh, that's not my responsibility. I don't want to work harder for your recovery than you are working. And so what I'm going to do, though, is I'm always going to be here for you when you say, hey, um, I'm ready to, to, to do step work. And what I mean by that is that there's going to come a point in time where you are going to, where we are all going to feel like we've reached a wall in our recovery. And when we get to that wall, um, you're going to come to me and say, hey, I'm hitting a wall and I feel like I'm not really growing anymore. What do I do? I'm going to say, you know, it's always going to be step work. It's going to get you past it. And I'm here for you when you're ready. At that point, um, generally sponsees make the decision to say hey let's do some step work and we get into it we'll do some step work we'll get through that wall and then a little bit of time will pass and and uh we'll kind of get complacent again and then we'll start hitting that wall again we'll do some step work once uh we realize that that's the key to it and we'll get through that wall and that's kind of the way i've seen it work the best um another another aspect of sponsorship that i i really take seriously is uh, constant communication. Uh, when we have a when we have a sponsor sponsor relationship, I think it's vitally important to stay uh, stay in communication and get to know each other. Because well, we say you know this this is a relationship that we're trying to develop, and we can't develop a relationship if we are just like a sponsor sponsor in name and name only. Mm. And so we're like, hey, I got this sponsor. I haven't called him in four and a half months, but I've got one. You know, really. <laughs> Really, does that does that mean that you have a relationship with somebody? I don't. It doesn't sound like that to me. Well, we're it, friends on Facebook, uh, <laughs> so that's a relationship. True, true. <laughs> so, and then another part of that is that um, is that when we when we develop this relationship with a sponsor by staying in touch with them, preferably daily, but at least like once a week, then um, what we do is we we learn that when we're when we need to talk to somebody we pick up that phone and we call this person, right? And so we develop these habits of, I'm gonna call this person whenever I you know, wanna talk or need to talk or whatever. And, and so we, once that habit's been acquired, we then uh, encounter a very stressful situation in our life and it, the goal is to make it instinctual to just pick up the phone and call the sponsor and you don't even second guess yourself. You don't even have to think about it. Like this is what we do. And the way we do that is by developing these habits and these patterns. Um, so those are the, some big ones for me. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's about it. So I've, I've uh, of course gotten sponsors before. For me, it was very scary. It was this probably one of the scariest parts of going into the AA program was trying to decide who to pick to be my sponsor. I was told I was, you know, needed one. That's what you hear in meetings. But my dilemma was who. And I hear these things like, um, oh, get a sponsor, call him every day, that kind of thing. Um, we're told uh, a lot in uh, the re- recovery program that I that I chose to do that um, part of our problem is defective relationships with other people and that's so true coming right out of a career of drinking um, most of my life I didn't know how to really talk to somebody or relate to somebody in a sober way which now I know is like you were saying is kind of the point of having a sponsor my sponsor um, told me, uh, cause I didn't want to call him every day. It's like the last thing I wanted to do is talk to someone and validate my addiction problem every single day. Like I didn't use today. So why do I need to talk to my sponsor? That kind of a thing. Mm. And, and, and I agree with you completely when, because my, what my sponsor told me is, look, you know, we don't, we don't call every day because we want to use, and we don't call every day, especially in the beginning, 
the first three months is what I was told. Um, because you're having a shady day. What if I, what if I, you know, I, I don't want to call my sponsor. I didn't use today. What are we going to talk about? The point of calling every day isn't necessarily that you need to talk about anything. It's that you called. It was the action that you took. Absolutely. For the, for, for your recovery. Mm. And, and you're right. It's to get in the habit of making, um, contact and with another human being, as far as your recovery is involved, I might just call and say, Hey, how you doing? I'm calling because I said I would call. Mm. And, um, and you get into the habit. It was, it was really hard for me to pick up the phone and just call and say, you know, Hey, I didn't use today. Well, good. Like, and you know, and he's, he's like, well, how was your day? Let's talk about your day. It's not, it's not only about doing step work. Um, it's, it's about a lot of things, but learning how to make a connection with another human being in a healthy way is, it was huge for me just being able to just pick up the phone and call somebody. So, um, the other thing that I had heard, um, is that, you know, the, and this is a completely false thing that I have found out, at least in, in my story is that you pick a sponsor and they stay your sponsor for life. Um, in early recovery, I think it's, you know, it's just important to find somebody that you feel comfortable with and that you can talk to and you know, they're not going to spread your shit all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, you know, trusting somebody was very difficult for me. I felt like I had a lot of skeletons in my closet that I needed to talk about. Um, and I just didn't want it spread everywhere. <clears throat> so I think, you know, finding a sponsor you're comfortable with it in the beginning. And if that sponsor doesn't work out, realizing that they're just people in recovery, just like you. But what they've done is it hopefully is that they've worked through those steps and they, you know, kind of know a little bit about what they're talking about. And so they can help you, uh, far enough along to at least get into the program to where you're comfortable. And if that sponsor doesn't work out, you find out you just don't really relate. You simply go find another sponsor. Right. And that's okay. It's, you didn't fail at that, you know, and usually you're, you know, the sponsor, like being just another guy in the world, um, knows exactly what you're talking about. And may even like help you on that journey. What exactly does a sponsor do? I mean, we're talking, we're talking now kind of about, you know, how to get one and kind of almost a relationship between one. But what, what, what did they do? So I, what I always tell people is that when we, when we're looking for a sponsor, we want to find some, somebody in the rooms who has what we want. And I put them on. I put that on the spectrum of some people want the nice shiny car, some people want peace and serenity, you know. And wherever we fall on that spectrum, we're gonna go into the rooms and we're gonna hear somebody say, you know, uh, I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and 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 I have this in life. And when we hear people start talking about that, we're like, damn, I want that. I want that. Those are the people, you know. And obviously, they're further in their recovery than we are. And um, those are the people that that we go up to and we say, "Hey, yo, you want to you want to be my sponsor and you want to help me get to where you are," and and really that's the goal of the sponsor, in my in my opinion, my humble opinion. Uh, As a sponsor, how uh, I mean, what does that necessarily, I guess, consist of? What do you mean? So, like you said, you said you said I want what this person has, right? And so say you're the person that has that, what on the sponsor's part does that consist of to get somebody to have what you have? Because I don't think it's just step work, right? So step work is one thing, but I mean, what about like maintaining the relationship? And um, I mean, there's, there's other aspects to it, right? Sure. Absolutely. Beyond just step work. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm saying like, when people say, Hey, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Like, what are, what are your thoughts on this to just say, you know, I'm going to be as real and authentic with you as I possibly can. And also know that I am just as subject to being wrong about this shit as you are, because as Kevin was saying, I'm a human being and I'm fallible and I can make a mistake just as quickly as you can. But 
this is how I perceive this situation. And, um, and, and in doing that and like sharing your perceptions and, and having and suggesting these things of these paths in life to somebody else, you're in essence guiding them to get to the same place you are. Really, the only thing that leads people, the only thing that leads me to the place that I am today is my perception on the world, mm. right? That's why I am here. That's why I've made each decision that's guided me to this place and I'm sitting in right here at this table. And, um, and by sharing what my perceptions are and what my path is in life, you're in, you're in essence kind of bringing that person along with you. Sure. In a philosophical sense. Sure. Yeah. So another aspect of, uh, of sponsorship that I've learned along the way, and I've had people ask me to be their sponsors also, or their sponsor. And what, what I found out is it really helps when you call someone and you just start talking and they, they've been sober longer, uh, hopefully. (laughs) And so it's, you get a different point of view on whatever's running through your head Uh because realizing that in, especially in early sobriety, that your point of view is probably pretty skewed. Um, and that somebody's going to say, you know, you call up and say, Hey, you know, I'm going through this and this and this today. And they say, you know, let's, let's look at that a different way. It's not like they're therapists or someone, you know, licensed in psychiatry, but they've been sober longer. So they simply see it in a different way. And that can really help, um, you know, just knock you off of your head spinning very easily. I found out, you know, it's, it's basically for me, it's like, uh, talking to somebody that can sort of like flip the needle on a record and just knock me out of that little skip groove that I've been stuck in. Hey, and you know, I tell you on that note, I, this is something that I've learned in, in, in my life is that when I, um, I have, I've had some really, really good sponsors. I, I, tr- I tend to try to get people that have like 20 plus years. Um, so you've order. had more than one. I have, I have, I have. Okay. So, um, the first sponsor I ever had, he, he had 33 years and he still went to meetings like five times a week. His name was Henry D. He ended up getting cancer, died sober, uh, at, I think it was, I don't know. He was old. It was probably like 80, 89 or something. And then I ended up getting this uh, older Jewish guy who had about 20-something years. And then I moved here. Uh, and then I moved to the state that I live in now. And I got another guy, and he's got 28 years, I think. Right. And so um, so anyway, but the point is, is that... Oh, shit. I forgot I was going with this. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So 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 my first sponsor, Henry D., he would, he would always, you know, he would tell me something. And he would say, this is my suggestion having had that time, right, having that, had that, um, that place in sobriety that he was at, he would say, this is how I see this situation, and this is where I'm like, where the decision that I would make uh, based on the amount of clean time that I have. And then, uh, and then I would uh, immediately in early recovery be like, well, fuck that. I don't agree with that, and I'm going to do it my way. Right. You know, and then in doing that, he would always tell me, he would say, he would say, you know, the lesson will continue to be taught until the student learns it. And I I was like, oh man, it's fucking crazy. I don't get it. But then as time would pass, I would continue to encounter, I would make an unhealthy decision. I would, you know, get my, get my hand slapped in some way. And then time would kind of go down, down a little bit more and more. And then I would be presented with the same decision and at that point I'd be like oh man I made I made the unhealthy choice last time and and Henry would tell me not to do that that he would suggest not to do that I think I'm gonna make the unhealthy decision again because it's fun and it's exciting you know and then I would make the unhealthy and then same thing I get my hand slapped in some way you know and then eventually eventually throughout time I would be offered that decision again and I'd be like I'm tired of making that decision that unhealthy decision I'm tired of getting my hand slapped in whatever way that is and I would make a healthy decision and it would work out the way Henry had said it because he's been through it you know what I mean mm, in, exactly. in recovery he's seen these potential outcomes and he told me this is going to happen but the the thing is is that and this is what I love about a, a really this is what I love about the relationship with the sponsors that I've had is that they were there to allow me to make my own mistakes. They were there to tell me, like, if, if this happens, this, this is, if you do this, this is probably going to be the outcome. But, you know, you, you do what you're going to do kind of thing. And so I would do that, make my own mistakes, but hear their voices in the back of my head, 
you know, and so that was my my way of growing. Because I, I really believe that it as people that suffer from the disease of addiction, we have a real hard time with authority. We have a real hard time with people telling us what what to do. Oh, it's, sure, right. And so and so to say do this, do this, do this is not very effective, right? That we were going to there are going to be certain situations where we're going to have to say I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to do it my way. Um, and then we realize that we should have probably gone a different way with it. Right. And see, my, the sponsor that I have at the moment, he uh, he always makes sure to say, you know, hey, I'm not going to give you any advice, but I can give you suggestions based on what I've gone through in my life. Yeah, and that's so, exactly what I'm talking about. Right. So, like, if he, you know, I, I call and I say, you know, uh, you know, we're just talking like friends, but like a little, on, a, on a more personal level because uh, sponsorship gets personal. And... Um, he would say, you know, I don't, I don't actually have any experience with that. You know, I'd like to see how this turns out and where it's going to go. Or he would say, you know, I, I have some experience with this. Let me tell you what I did that worked out for me. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes it less authoritative and more comfortable for me. So I don't feel like I have to fight with him about anything. You know, we can disagree and, and it's great. So. Yeah. How about what happens? So I, what, I guess, Charlie kind of touched on this. Um, what are the qualifications like for a sponsor? So there are some people that don't work the 12 steps, right? And I'm sure there's actually several people listening to this right now that don't work the 12 steps, but can still use sponsorship in their lives. What, I mean, what would be the qualifications? Just finding somebody who has something that I want. Yeah. And so, so in, in saying that, you know, um, I want a sponsor that has gone through the 12 steps, right? My dad has been sober for 28 years, I think, 29, 30 years. I don't fucking know. But um, he, he's never worked a step in his life. And, and he'll be the first one to tell you. He's like, I don't really do all that shit. But, um, but so he, in seeking a sponsor, that's not even on his radar, is somebody that's worked steps. Me personally, I'm gonna go with somebody that's worked twelve steps because I know the I know the the strength that the twelve steps have and I know how if we're in my my, my first sponsor always used to say, you're in a twelve step program and you're not working steps, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. You know? And um and so I, but beyond that, I know like how much better life is and how much growth I've experienced through that process. And so I want to keep doing that. You know, I feel like I'm not getting my bucks worth if I'm not doing that. I feel like there's so much more that I, I would miss out on. But like, like, like I'm saying is that, you know, if, if that's not what people want, then they're not going to be, they're not going to be magnetized to that person. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Right. So I think it's important too that we clarify that uh, sponsorship, as far as I know, is part of a twelve-step program. Um, it's suggested that you find a sponsor in those kind of a programs. I know NA is a twelve-step program, AA is a twelve-step yeah. program. I think it's I in really other don't have any too. idea. If, like really, like I think refuge, the so refuge is smart a recovery me- mentor. Or, yeah, refuge, has refuge has a mentor. is a mentor, and I think is smart it? has something too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the same thing, just different names. Right. So. The 12 steps are a suggested, it's a highly suggested um, path that you would take. It's a series of suggestions um, in 12-step programs that you can follow. A, a sponsor, as far as your question about requirements, there's no law in AA if you, you know, that you just pick who you're drawn to. If you're drawn to doing the 12 steps, is that, if that's the path you want to go, you find someone who's done them and who knows a little bit about how to work them and make Mm -hmm. them a little less complicated. I don't know about you guys, but when I first read the 12 steps, I thought I could get them done in about 24 hour period of time. And I thought (laughs) I would just, I'd be like, Oh my, I'm going to be cured from alcoholism like (laughs) tomorrow. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, that failed miserably. (laughs) Um, Wait, sa- you weren't cured? Says the coffee cup full of, you know, one day chips. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> finding somebody that, that has done the 12 steps that could explain them a little bit more to me. Because then the second time that I tried to do the 12 steps, they, 
you know, I was clear minded, a little bit more clear minded, and it kind of seemed like a college course. And I was looking up words in the dictionary like if and the because I wanted to make sure I did them right. You know, I just wanted to be well and and not, you know, drink anymore. Mm. And um, so, you know, yeah, finding someone that's done the 12 steps is is amazing and and getting their take on it, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I had to learn uh, pretty early on was that I needed to have a semi-decent judgment on who I was asking to be my sponsor. So I initially, my, the first time I asked somebody to be my sponsor, they were like, they, they said, yeah, sure. Um, start with reading what is it, the first 160 some odd pages in the big book and then call me. And within, I think it was two days, he dumped me off onto his sponsee. So now I had a new sponsor and this guy would sit and talk to me about, uh, the universe and I mean, he would get really kind of like almost Cheech and Jong, man, you know, about it's just the universe, man. And I don't, I, you know, it just, it just does things for us. And I'm not much of a person like that. Uh, and it ended up that he was smoking pot, like he would smoke pot and then meet me at, you know, this meeting place to work steps with me. So under the influence, and, and I had to, and it, of course, you know, at that time I was naive. I was like, maybe this guy is just, I don't know, burnt out. Uh, turns out the dude was actually still using, but he was in AA, and so he didn't see that as a problem, which, you know, to each their own. But I'm a raging drug addict. Like, whatever it is that I can, you know, if I could find, if I found out that I could get anything more than a natural high from a moldy banana peel, I'd have those things hidden all around my house, okay? I've always said that I'm, it's lucky that dog sh- shit can't get you high because I would be, like, in people's yard collecting it. And yeah, bags. exactly. Oh. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to cow, have... Cow shit can get you high, and I used to live my ass in fields. Wow. In the country. I never yeah. knew. Thank God. Yeah, cow no. shit could really get you high? Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's called psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Dude. Whatever. Can't, um, can't believe I made it without getting shot. <laughs> crazy farmer. <laughs> Anyway, I, I had I had learned that I had to actually have a little bit of judgment on not just who I liked because the guy was really likable, but I had to, you know, really keep an eye on is this person as healthy as they should as I want them to be? Do they have exactly what I want or are they, I guess, supplementing like this guy was? Right. And that that just that just goes to prove the point that sponsors are just people like anybody else. And you go to them, you take what you can get that what that that what you feel is fulfilling. And if you need to move to a different sponsor, then to get more um, of what you need and want, then you, you, you then you do that. And that's perfectly OK. You, you know, I want to I want to interject there because this is also one of the most vital lessons we learn in recovery. And people don't talk about this shit right here enough. Okay, so when we are um, when we're suffering when we're in active addiction, right? We we don't really regularly, consistently practice healthy communication. Part of that healthy communication is healthy confrontation. And what I mean by that is um, we don't we don't really practice how to how to in a healthy way go up to somebody and say, "Hey, listen, I love you as a person, I respect you, but I don't want you to be my sponsor anymore." Right? We don't we don't practice that that art. And so when we get into the uh, into early recovery and we have this sponsor that we don't want anymore, but the majority of the time, a lot of people will just say, uh, I'm going to get a new sponsor. And, and now every time I see this dude at a meeting, it's going to be awkward and I'm going to keep my head down and, be, you know, and I, won't, I won't engage in that healthy confrontation. So I think when we reach that point where we say, I got this Cheech and Chong sponsor that I'm not really jiving with, um, and I'm going to get a new sponsor. We need to, I need to get out there and say, hey, listen, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. This really isn't working for me. I like you as a person, but I'm going to move on to a different sponsor. And we, do, we don't really engage in that because that's something twisted and that's something that we need to work on. Absolutely. You know, and, and having that opportunity to be in those um, uh, impulsive, 
uh, sponsor relationships that we got into and then we realized that wasn't the right decision. It gives us that opportunity to engage in that healthy confrontation. And it's just yet another lesson that can be taught for the sponsor-sponsee relationship. You know what I mean? And, um, and so what I always tell people is people will say, in, in recovery, they'll come to me and they'll go, you know, I, uh, I, I, don't, I, I got this guy, he's my sponsor, I don't really like him, I'm going to go here and go get this other guy, I like him a lot. And I, my, first, my first instinctual response to these people always is tell him, tell him. Sit down and have that conversation with them. As awkward as it may be, uh, we need to we need to learn how to do that. And the funniest part about this is this: like we don't we don't even think about it this way. That to be a sponsor takes a lot of energy, right? And so I, when we say, when somebody comes to us and says, uh, "I don't I don't think this is working out with our sponsor sponsee relationship. I'm going to move on to somebody else." My initial thought is. Well, now I don't have to spend an hour out of my, two hours out of my week talking, thinking, step work. Now I can devote that energy to something else. Not in like a selfish way. It's just I don't take it as a personal insult. I see it for what it is. Like it didn't work. You're going to move on. Now I have more time and energy. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so in that way, we can reframe it to say, say that it's not even a negative thing. It's really a positive thing all around. We learn a lesson from healthy confrontation, and we're kind of letting these people off the hook in a way of having to spend that energy and that time on us. Right. I have a, a story to tell um, that's a little bit like Zach's. This is my first experience of a sponsor when I got into AA and uh, tried to get sober. Um, I made it about 10 and a half months, so it was a good run. My sponsor was excellent. He was, he was a fantastic sponsor. I, I talked to him every single day. He had gone through the 12 steps. We didn't really work the steps as much as I thought maybe I should at the time. But after, after about maybe 10 months or so, I actually went to go pick him up to go to a meeting because we, we attended several meetings together. Um, we lived, um, you know, fairly close to each other, so it was convenient. And I was super broke, um, you know. And <laughs> anyway, as as a lot of us are at the time of recovery. But the the thing is, um, I went to pick him up uh, to go to a meeting, and he got in the car, and I could immediately tell something was a little bit off. And so as I talked to him, I realized he was high. He was extremely high. He wasn't even really making a lot of sense. Um, and I started, you know, trying to talk to him to, to, to figure out what he was high on. And he had gone back to the drug of his choice. And being new to sobriety, I felt like an infant that was totally confused. And I literally almost drove off the road. I didn't know what to do. I went ahead, did the meeting, you know, dropped, dropped him off, went home and immediately started thinking 12 step recovery is a total lie. I've been talked into thinking this was going to work. My sponsor didn't, you know, he didn't stay sober. So, you know, how is this going to work for me? And I literally kind of spiraled out of control because I didn't know who to call. The point, the point of this is, and no, I didn't stay sober. But the point of this being is that that was, I realized later that was a problem with my recovery and how I was working my recovery. And although that was a very painful experience for me, um, what I, what I realized also is that I didn't have to follow that path. And what I found out was that I could use everything that I had learned from him that it, that was positive and good and kept me sober for, you know, those 10 and a half months. I didn't lose all that. Um, I learned that from him. I was very grateful for that, uh, for that knowledge that I had I inquired and that I could use that to, to be sober. I didn't have to use the bad stuff. It, it didn't serve me and it didn't help me stay sober. And what I wanted was, 
you know, what I wanted most of anything at the time is to be sober. I really didn't know what serenity was or, you know, any of those kind of things that, that these recovery programs touted would be the outcome. I didn't know what the outcome actually was, what I wanted out of sobriety, but what I wanted was sobriety. So I went ahead and got back into the program, found uh, a little more steady feet, figure out that, uh, that I needed to work on my program and not worry so much about other people's programs and, um, kind of made some goals for myself. And, uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, if I get another sponsor and that, that sponsor goes out, well, you know, you know, lesson learned, like they're just people just like, Mm -hmm. just like everyone. I think that's a really good, uh, lesson to I, I just a story to tell because there's a lot of people out there that get sponsors and then the sponsor goes out and which they never thought in a million years was going to happen because they're so focused on trying to stay sober themselves. Right, right. And then they go out. I'm like, well, they went out, so I'm going to go out. And in reality, lots of people go out. I met a guy when I was working in Alaska. He had 30 years, went out one night and ended up in jail that same night. I know a lot of people that do that, and when they do it, they generally kill themselves. Yeah, because the often. shame associated with a relapse after that long period of time is so intense that they can't even look themselves in the mirror. Absolutely, it's deep. So it's real. It's very real. People sponsors go out, yeah. and that's just a fact of of sponsorship. Um, so what do you do? Get back on the horse. Get back on the horse. If you go out with them, well, that's you know a poor decision that was made, but that doesn't mean that you can't go back. And that doesn't mean that you can't find a new sponsor. There are millions of people in recovery programs, millions of people. There's gotta be a sponsor out there. And they're just people. And I, and I, and I've said this before on this program, you know, doing these sobriety programs is to learn how to accept life on life's terms. This is what happens Uh, or this is what can happen, if it might happen to to you, then, you know, I can get through this sober. Um, That's kind of the point, don't you think? Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, I I love the the line you said about, you know, this is something that was ultimately wrong with my recovery, was, was my decision to go back out there. I tell people all the time, like, there's one primary reason why we end up relapsing, and that's because we want to fucking get high. Right. Absolutely. And, and we blame that shit. We have so many different ways to rationalize and justify our wanting to go get high. So, so what we really need to look at is what was my reservation, right? What reservation was I holding on to that allowed me to see my sponsor relapse and say, "Hey, I'm gonna do it too," you know? Right. I I call that, um, and I try to watch out for that nowadays. I don't want to get high today Mm -hmm. and I don't want to give an excuse or allow an excuse to get through right now. That's going to set me up for failure long term. Exactly. And these are, these are hard lessons that I, that I learned and, and, you know, sometimes I'm uncomfortable even talking about them, but I call it poking holes in my sobriety. If, if I told a lie today and I didn't correct it, or if I offended somebody today, um, and I didn't, correct it or try to make things right. And I go to bed and I think, oh, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It'll just blow over or whatever. I call that poking holes in my sobriety. Um, eventually my, my sobriety and the strength that I find today is going to leak out through that little teeny hole. And then I'm just going to use that as an excuse to get high when something a little bit bigger happens, Yeah, you know, cause I'm full of holes. And just to say, you know, just to say that, um, where I kind of came up with that is from working the steps. That's what the steps teach you. Um, and, and being, you know, being able to live that, that step kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Another part of it, like my, my first sponsor, Henry D used to always tell me, he'd say, don't ever put me or anybody else up on a pedestal. You're just mm. setting yourself up. And I had done and, that. Yeah. I, I had fully done that. Most people do. Yeah. Right. Most people do. I mean, it's just a natural this person is here to help save my life. They are this, I mean, especially when you come out of the depths of addiction, it's almost, you know, the person almost has a glow to them. Mm-hmm. 
because you know they have what I want. This person is happy. This person is you know guiding me out of this hell. Sure. This person is now fifteen feet tall. Right. right. Like, Which is part of you know that's a testament to how how sick you are. Yeah. How sick wow. you are and how powerful sponsorship can be too. Right. True. It can. True. It can. What do you What do you think? What's your viewpoint on sponsorship? Can become very uh, codependent. So. Um, that was, that was going to be my next question is like, what, how do we, how do we do that? How do we avoid this relationship turning into be turning into something that's unhealthy? Right. And so I like, what is, well, first let's define, let's kind of put a, put a definition on what does it look like when it's unhealthy? Right. To me, what it would look like is when you call somebody 17 times a day, because you don't know how to brush your teeth without asking them if they if you need to you know brush the right side first or the left side first like that's a that's a little excessive you know and um and so we need to kind of put that in check like we need to learn how to be independent people uh and we need to we need to be able to use our sponsors for what they are but we also need to avoid walking into that and how do you avoid it well hopefully you have somebody who's strong enough in their program of recovery to say hey you know What's going on here? What are the deeper issues of why you feel like you have to call me 17 times a day? You know, why do you feel like you can't, you know, make it through the day um, without doing this and all that? And then you process all that information with them. Sure. And I think we should make it clear that sponsorship isn't to replace a therapist or a, a, uh, you know, some a shrink, a shrink. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't remember the word. Thanks. There's so there are so many of them. <laughs> so, right. so, but just you know, as a as a a friendly person that you can call and ask questions to. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, coming from me, I'll tell you this: this is where it's really difficult for me because I uh, I'm a therapist, I'm a sponsor, and I work in a treatment center. So I have to be real conscious of what hat I'm wearing when I go to work. Like, I can't treat somebody, I can't treat a client as I would a sponsor. And that's really hard for me sometimes. Um, it's, it's just really hard. It's really hard to do because there are certain nuances that are very different and I have to constantly be respectful of that. Let's talk about that for a second. So they do tell you, uh, in, in the program, you'll, you'll hear a lot of things. Um, they do tell you it's probably best not to get a sponsor that you work with. Right. Um, at work, at your in employment. That's, that's might come, you know, what if you decide not to stay sober? Sobriety isn't for you. And you go out. And then now you have, like, a terribly uncomfortable situation in the work environment. You know, so I, I have I have both sides of that. Like, okay, good. The first sponsor I had when I first tried to get sober uh, he, John, JP, uh, JP, he was, he's an amazing friend of mine still to this day. And he hired me in a restaurant and, um, he's a chef and he hired me in a restaurant and, and I was still in treatment. And he said, I said, now listen, I can only work days cause I have a curfew. I have to be back in, in my transitional living facility at this time. And he said, he said to me, he said, Hey, let me ask you a question. He said, "How can you guarantee? What can you tell me that's going to guarantee that you're not going to go back out and relapse?" And I looked at him and I said, "Look, man, I don't know what you know about recovery, but I can't tell you <laughs> anything that's going to guarantee I'm not going to go back out and relapse. I'm taking this shit one day at a time. Today I'm pretty good, but God knows what's in store for me tomorrow." He smiled. He said, "That's exactly the answer I wanted to hear. I've been sober for 13 years, and um, because of that answer, you're hired." And so he hired me, right? And I stayed, I stayed sober for about six months. And when, when I went out, I went out <laughs> hard. And, and I worked with him for the next four and a half years. And we became really good friends. And he was always my head chef, but he would always just kind of be there and say, hey, I'm here when you need me. You know what I mean? I'll take you to a meeting when you're ready to go. And so it, it worked. I mean, they, it, it worked. You know, and, and I, I don't know. I know that it could potentially have... A way of being awkward but in the working in a kitchen I guess maybe is a little bit different than other professions so there's that so there's that side of that and then um, and then I also I have a sponsee now that is and I work in a, in a drug and treatment center so I have a sponsee now that works in a drug and treatment center 
And so uh, with saying the same thing, if he were to relapse in the drug and treatment center, like working at a drug and treatment center, I think this conversation would be, uh, would be null and void because he would get fired. You know, and therefore right. that would eliminate this need for him to come in and be like, oh, this is awkward. And I have to see you at work every day. Like mm-hmm. it would take care of itself in that vein, you know. So I, I see kind of both sides of it where I am. Um, but I, I don't I, I think that I think that it also allows and I, and I can see like there would be the pro, writing out the pros and cons. There'd be a lot of cons to sponsoring somebody you work with because if they did relapse, it would make it awkward. But also the pros to that is that if you're sponsoring somebody that you work with, it just gives you an, yet another uh, point to develop that relationship with them. You know, you see them at work, you foster and strengthen that relationship, and then it becomes even stronger. And I guess that's where I see the, I, I see, I think the positive outweighs the negative. Right. And that's me. That's me. I'm sure other people have different opinions. So what would you, you know, this is kind of an off the cuff question. Um, if y- if if you went out as the sponsor and the sponsee stayed sober, would that cause an uncomfortable situation at work? Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, yeah. I just wanted to, you know, I'm just. You know. I think it would be the exact same scenario, though, as if the sponsee, I mean, if either one of y'all go out, it's going to be awkward. But as far as the situation that I'm in now, I think it's still irrelevant to even discuss because especially if I go out, I'm losing my fucking job quick. Right. right I can't right. work with people if I'm getting high. You know, I, I think one of the one of the important lessons I learned from that whole story that I just related to you and, and I wanna say that was that was quite a while ago. You know, I'm I, I feel much stronger in my desire to be sober today. Because what what I noticed about that, what I learned from that is that when I'm using, I'm insane. I, you know, I might be a pleasant guy to be around. I might be laughy and happy, but I don't think right, mm. you know? And in essence, that's why I used is to not be able to think correctly so that I didn't have to deal with my issues. Right. Um, and then, you know, I became addicted to that. So what I, you know, I just, I like being able to think right. I like be able, being able to think clearly. I never thought before I started, you know, this, this journey of recovery that I would ever say those words that I enjoy being able to think in a straight line from one end of a thought <laughs> to the next. Yeah. <laughs> it's very comforting. I like that too. Even, you know, even if those thoughts can be, you know, disturbing or unsatisfied, I can work through them or discard them if I need to. So we've got, we got about 10 or so minutes. Are left. you about to get one more question? Cause I have a question I really want to get in. There. All right, go for it. Are you sure? Yeah. Is it, I was going to change, I was going to change it around and talk about the, what it takes to actually be a sponsor. Oh, I got to ask something. All right, ask I, it. Go for I, it. I think that this doesn't get talked about enough. Um, so, so er, Kevin is a Kevin is a gay white man. Everybody, I don't know if we've discussed that. In yeah, you outed yet. me on like yeah. a couple episodes okay, ago. Okay, cool, yeah. sweet. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had this uh, I had this this client come in the other day, and she said she said I, I've never had a great relationship with women, and so I'm going to get a male sponsor. And I said it doesn't really work that way. And she said, Oh well, I'm going to make it work that way for me. And I said, Well, if anybody's serious about recovery then they're not going to sponsor you if they're a male because that's not how it works and she said why and i said because you want to eliminate that uh sexual uh component from a sponsor sponsor relationship and you can't really do that if you're you know pairing up with the same sex or the you're the sex that you're attracted to so as a as a gay man i've always thought that this is the this is what uh this is that added enigma to the sponsor sponsor relationship. Like, how do you approach that as a gay man working with another man and knowing like that's such a, a primary thing that you have to look out for? Okay. That was a really good question. It is. <laughs> um, and I'll try to, I'll try to answer that in a very honest way. Thanks. Thanks for being honest. I, <laughs> I, first of all, you know, we've already kind of touched 
basis on um, the, the, the problem I had with, with other people and my relationships with other people is that they were um, defective. My entire drinking career, I realized that, and how can you have, you know, a, a super healthy relationship with people when you're not in a good frame of mind? <clears throat> so that did come up for me. Um, I thought about getting a, a gay sponsor <clears throat> and, and I tried that on a couple, a couple br- very brief times and it always went to, um, because part of what we have to talk about or that we need to talk about because we're human beings with sexual, sexual urges. And, and a lot of time our sexual, um, life has been thrown off balance, um, because of using. So we would, and there was certain things I needed to talk about in that area, um, to become a healthy, a healthy person. Um, it didn't work out when I chose homosexual sponsors because at the moment we started talking about sex, it, you know, get aroused. Yeah. 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 Right. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and that would completely throw off the entire point or things that I needed to discuss. Right. So that didn't work out for me very well. Um, so I decided to, to go for heterosexual sponsors, people that I wouldn't be, okay. um, attracted to. Or, or if I was attracted to them, they, they would, you know, head it off like immediately, you know, do um, you, do you, I'm, I gotta ask this too. Do you think that even having that attraction for somebody, even if it's not going to be reciprocal, do you think that that hinders, uh, your growth as far as that relationship goes? A hundred percent. Does it? It does because it's going it, to, for me, it would give a, 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 a false a false floor, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to relate to this person um, from a very honest and clear, clean way. I don't, I don't need to, you know, skirt around. I guess you know, there, there's a thing in in the big book where it talks about checking your motives. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I don't, and I, I have learned this about myself. I can be very manipulative, especially if I'm using. I can be very manipulative in in a dishonest way. Um, that sometimes I don't even fully recognize at the beginning. So if I'm developing a relationship with a person and telling them some very, you know, intimate and uh, let's take a step five, for example, where, you know, you write down some things and you need to relate it to it to another person, you know, what exactly am, am I looking to clear myself out or am I, am I trying to earn someone's approval? Right. Um, you know, in mm. in some way that you know, am I thinking like, hey, maybe I'm going to get something out of right. this? You know what I mean? And e- even if it's not sexual, but for me, it was you know, right, sexual. <laughs> so so how, do you, so how do you get around that? Do you pick a heterosexual sponsor that you're just so unattracted to? But then, like, you know, do you really need to like say I can only date, I can only be uh, your sponsee if you're completely dog ugly? I don't think it has anything to do with like ugliness or not. Like, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's what I get out personally from them. Right. And if I'm, if I'm looking for sobriety, that doesn't really have a, um, a sexual nature to it. Yeah. It shouldn't. It's absent. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a non-issue. Right. So, you know, I, I, I happen to choose someone, um, this, you know, last time around, uh, for sponsorship that I just, I, I just happened to not be sexually attracted to. Good. Cool. So, and it worked out so much better, you know, <laughs> than, than my last sponsor. So, you know, I, I, if, if I could make a suggestion to someone new out there, um, you know, and you pick a sponsor that you're sexually attracted to and say, Hey, I want sponsorship with that person. I, I would suggest to, you know, check your motives. Yeah. What, what is it you're looking for? Yeah. You know? Okay. We only have about, uh, we have maybe 10 minutes left. So what I really wanted to talk about was 
do's and don'ts of being a sponsor because everybody at this table has engaged in sponsorship in one form or another, which means we know the good things to do and kind of the dumb things to do. So what are a couple of, um, I guess, wise? I've got one of the biggest don'ts. Okay, I, go for I, it. Look, I made one of the... I, I, and you know, the funny thing is, I had one of my best friends at the time. He was also huge in the um, uh, program, 12-step programs. And, and he saw the whole thing going down. And he said, you're fucking up. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not fucking up. And he was like, you're fucking up. And then, you know, a few months later, uh, I'll just tell you what happened. So I had this fun seat coming over. I was building a house and I had this fun seat coming over and he was a jack of all trades. He could do anything in the house. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll put you to work. You're early in recovery and, and I'll pay you fair and you can come over and you can do work on my house. You need money. And so he was doing that. And we were also building a relationship because we'd get out there and we'd do stuff together, you know. And it was really, it was going so well. But the guy didn't have a car. And so, and he was living with his parents. And his parent, his dad would come drop him off every morning and come pick him up in the afternoon, you know. And his dad's a super cool guy. Uh, me, me and his dad just immediately got along. We had a lot of similar interests and um, uh, a lot of, like, perspectives that were aligned. And so we'd sit there and we'd bullshit all day. And then, uh, and then so, so he'd drop him off and, and I started talking to the dad. Well, eventually the dad started calling me and saying, hey, what's going on with my son? I need you to start telling me stuff. And I would kind of just in a, in a way to, to, to be helpful, to be the best sponsor I could be, I would basically gather information from the dad and I'd share information with him. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, the whole my motives the entire time were just nothing but uh, to 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 help this guy grow, yeah. And so that shit blew up in my face. Like he called me up one day and he was like, "I can't believe you've been telling my dad all this shit. (laughs) Don't call me anymore. I'm gonna get high. It's all your fault. He's he's not gonna hide. It's not my fault. He wanted to get high, so he's using that as an excuse. But nonetheless, I held. I like that was something I struggled with. You know, that was a mistake that I made. You know, having his best interest, trying to do what's best, but then it was just something that I. You know, it ended up screwing me up, and I'll never, never do that again. You know, <laughs> and the, the friend that would always say you're, you're fucking up. So I, I went to him and I asked him later. I was like, "What should I have done in this situation?" He said, "He said I had to do the same thing with uh, one of my sponsor's parents, and whenever they would ask, I would say, you need to talk to him about that. You need to talk to him about that.'" And I was like, oh, "That's great. That's good stuff." So to this day, now when parents who you know, who I meet, who I'm sponsoring and parents will come ask me. They'll be like, they'll be like, Hey, you know, so let's talk about football. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about religion, whatever we're talking about, you know, and then they'll slide in the old. So why don't you tell me how so-and-so is doing? I'll say, <laughs> I'll just jump right into it. I'll be like, you need to talk to them about that. Yeah. I went through the same experience. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. I've, I've I'm been glad there. to know that I'm not that big of an idiot. No. Like I said, we're just people. True. True. So, but side note, that guy, that guy that went back out, um, uh, he he went back out hard because that's how we do. He went back to prison, and he called me, and this was years ago. He called me the other day, and he said, um, he said, I just I just want you to know, uh, I just picked up six months, and I just wanted you. I wanted you to know that I'm sorry for everything because there's a lot of other shit that happened with that relationship. But he said, I'm sorry for everything. I love you. I'm so thankful for you and all that you did for me before and all that. And it sucks the way it ended. And I just, I just want you to know I'm clean now and I'm really doing good and I'm working in program recovery. And I was like, you know, that kind of shit, you know, I just definitely need to throw that in at the end. Mm, Absolutely. So, you know, probably what he realizes is that, and what maybe you realize is that, it didn't end. It's still going, and now it's better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, I definitely want to reiterate. I definitely screwed up on that one. You know, it was, it was something I learned. Sure. All right, what else we got? So, if I, I'll make a suggestion for the the dues for a because I'm ton. I have I have so many mistakes. I think I've made every mistake. Yeah, so I've made a lot. But I would say um, the dues for a person taking on a 
a sponsee, so the sponsor, is to uh, when someone asks you to be a your their sponsor, I would I would suggest that that they think about how much time they have. Um, It's not going to take up your whole day, but it's going to take up an hour a day, and it and for you know maybe you know. Um, and for, you know, from the viewpoint of the sponsee, that's their most important hour of that day, or it can be, um, to, to the sponsor, from the sponsee's point of view, it may be the difference between life and death. And so I would, I would, you know, suggest to a a sponsor that's taking on a sponsee, like really think about that. Do do you have this time? Do you, which shifts do you work? What, you know, are you going to be available when this person calls? Absolutely. I had this guy back in my old city, and he is just such an amazing human being, and he's just so insightful, and he's really got it going on, you know. And he's probably been sober for like 30 years. And um, and I, he was the first person I approached. I said, hey, man, I want you to be my sponsor. And his response was this. He said, he said I can't do it. I can't sponsor anybody. And I was like, what? Douchebag. I remember, I remember people telling me that too. And it was he, crushing. I know it was. I was like, man, I've like put so much stock in me asking you to do this, and now you're just let me down. And he said, he said, he said, I, I'm an offshore oil guy. He said, and when I when I go offshore for thirty days at a time, he says, I don't, I'm not, on, I'm not available on the phone. Uh, I'm just not available. And he said, I can't do it because of that. And I remember thinking, I, I, my initial response was, well, I'll just figure out something to do for those other 30 days, you know, that you're not available. And, and he was like, no, nah, it just doesn't work that way. And I was early in recovery, and I didn't realize it. And, and I, I knew him over the, all the years. He was all, I knew him over all the years I was clean. And so, but it always made more and more sense as time went on that that was such a, a responsible decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my don't for a sponsor, uh, a don't, would be to um, feel like that you need to discuss your sponsees' uh, issues and problems, like like you were saying, like where they're at with anybody else, and realizing how important it is to uh, keep someone's um, confidence. Yeah, um, it's imperative because what that sponsee is learning is that they can make a healthy connection with another human being. Um, and they're basically kind of looking at you. I can only talk from my point of view and my experience that they're looking at you like that, um, that you're a good choice for a healthy human being, you know? So, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. I would say the biggest one that I had to learn was, don't take their failures and their relapses personally. Oh, yes. That I, I have had several sponsees and not a single one of them have put together any, anything past, I think six months maybe. Um, and at first I was thinking to myself, that's because you're, you know, you're a bad sponsor or whatever. And there, I mean, I'm not, there's no perfect sponsor out there, but I had to, to come to the realization. It's exactly what Charlie said. They, it, it wasn't because of me being a sponsor is because they had an honest desire to get fucked up. Absolutely. And, and because of that, I can't put that on me. Right. That is not my fault. Um, I did my best at that point in time. Uh, to be a sponsor and to be there for them. And so them going out, that's their choice. Um, And that's like my number one don't do is take that shit personally. Yeah, I always remember um, uh, words of wisdom. I've had a a 100% success rate with all of my sponsors. I haven't gotten high over any of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. My, uh, my, My number one do would be not to give up on the sponsees because there's because man i had this like concept in my head when i first got into uh, recovery that people were going to recover the same way that i did right they're going to get it and they're going to bust their asses to keep it and they're going to you know work hard that's not the fucking case (laughs) not the case at all so i i would say the the biggest lesson that i had to learn um one of the biggest lessons that i had to learn was not to give up 
people make mistakes they're gonna relapse they might even screw me over but that's that's what addiction is and I can't I can't just give up on a person and I can't you know leave them or stop helping them because they're struggling because that's 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 life that's what it's what you take on as being a sponsor I agree I agree. Like that dude that I was just talking about, he ended up after all that went down, he kind of got back around and he was doing good. And then he went back out again and he ended up stealing my bike. And I don't know if you know, wow. if you ever had a bike stolen. It was a nice bike and it crushed, it crushed me. And I, I called him. We, you know, had some words about it, but ultimately, you know, now the six months ago, you know, we're, we're at a, we're at a healthy place again. It's just a fucking bike, right? The really what we need to look at is like this kid's alive today. He's a beautiful human being, and he's been able to share his life with the world, and that's ultimately much more important than a bike. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time, so it was awesome having Charlie back on. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Stay sober. Thanks. Later.